Hi, and welcome to episode 230 of No Crying in Baseball, the Oh My God, It's Spring Training episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Spring training started today. Oh my God, that's crazy. Hey there. You know, I was thinking like we, the, our last recording was pre-end of the lockout and yes. we didn't give, it, we could have predicted, like it would have been interesting for us to have predicted whether or not it would have ended before our next recording. And at this time last week, I would have said no. I was kind of like, nah, too bleak. Me too. Me not too. Not going to happen. Yeah. But I'm grateful. I'm happy. I'm feeling like, you know, that rejuvenation of spring, even though there was snow here yesterday, and just feeling like there is hope for the future. I've yeah. got my baseball is fun t-shirt on, not just because of the Rays today, because baseball is fun. And I want to remember, I've got big honking baseball earrings. I'm drinking a delicious beer. I am psyched for the season. All right. What's your beer? You want to break that news now? Oh, I do. Yeah. So I'm drinking, um, so Union uh, Craft Brewing from um, Baltimore, I believe. Uh, it's a Cosmic Giggle. Double IPA and it is very tasty. I'm that sounds enjoying appropriate. Quite a bit, quite a bit. What do you got? What do you got going so, on? So you know, I, I guess we both have like appropriate for podcasting beers. Having a cosmic giggle is definitely good for our show. But I'm drinking Talking Backwards. No, so I'm wondering. Yeah, I swear to God, it's it's hard to see on the label because it's kind of written up the side. I'll have to show you afterwards. Like you, you listeners can't see it anyway. I'm trying to get it out of my koozie, very unsuccessfully. But it's a beautiful can. From Ocelot Brewing Company. I've been and there. And it's, it's, um, it's a multiple IPA. I think it's a triple. It's got 10%. So like how many IPAs can you cram into that can? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, that's what I figured. I figured I'd just get one big can for this episode. 10%. I'll be good to go. This should get me through the whole thing. I'm thinking. Now, my, my shirt has absolutely nothing to do with the teams that we're talking about today, as, except, for, of course, I'm going to mention the Red Sox as part of each of my boyfriend's stories. But what I I realized, I'm wearing the, the Boston um, City Connect shirt, which people complained about loudly about the colors. And, you know, you were one of them initially until we figured out why it was those colors. Right. Yeah. The, so and now the colors are even more important because we see them all over the place as the Ukrainian flag. How about that? How so about I that? feel like I can do Boston strong and Ukraine strong in one fell swoop. I'm making that statement on this podcast that none of you can see, but you've now heard about it. So just trust me. All Let's right. Go. So it's a Ukrainian flag colored shirt and a beautiful beer can. And I'm here to tell you those things are both true. Yep. There you go. And I am going to raise my glass or raise my can anyway and congratulate all the girls and women playing baseball this year because, you know, one of those goals that we've talked about is growing the game year by year, making baseball more and more accessible to women and seeing the plan come to fruition is amazing. So we've talked about the college clubs that are happening and these girls leagues that have building up girls baseball since they were young more and more players every year are now playing on their high school baseball team. So it's amazing to go through any of the girls' baseball accounts on social media and see all the congrats, congrats to the girls who have made high school teams. And I want to say a special congrats to two former guests. So two former young women that we had here on this show, Piper Cherry and Shalva Lazarus, both of DC Girls Baseball, are now playing baseball for their high school teams, which is fantastic. So yay. And also notably, uh, two of the gr DC girls baseball girls who are playing with their high school teams are captains. Right. And that's uh, Olivia at School Without Walls and Paloma at Wilson. So, you know, they're doing it. Just give them the space. Get out of the way. Let them go. Let them play. That's ball. right. 
congratulations. That's fantastic news. We're proud of each and every one of you. Um, you guys are awesome. On today's show, in all caps, baseball is back. We've got um, updates on what the CBA says and the rule changes. The hot stove is back. Do we still call it the hot stove when spring training started? I don't know. I don't care, but it's left over from the winter, so we're still going to talk about it. Trevor Bauer is not back. We've got boyfriends for the Rays and the Giants. Thank you to our West Coast correspondent for help with the Giants picks. MLB hits the road. We've got other international baseball and the return of the countdown to opening day. Yeah, baby. Oh, wow. This is exciting. Exciting this stuff. Exciting. All right. Um, we do the work so you don't have to. Here's what the CBA says. <laughs> I, I want to like give an asterisk to that. You do the work so we don't have to. So I was reading a bunch of these articles yesterday and my brain was about to explode. And then I just said, you know what? Patty's going to explain this to me tomorrow. I don't really have to worry about soaking it all in right now because I knew you would outline it in a way that even I can understand. I am here for you. Hey, so you may remember that there was a 99-day lockout, a league-imposed lockout of the players. Well, that ended on Thursday. Uh, there was a vote on a proposal, and the players voted 26 to 12 in favor of the proposal. Um, so the, on the player side, there were the 30, there's a, a rep from each of the 30 teams plus the eight members of the executive committee. Interestingly, the eight members of the executive committee unanimously voted against this proposal along with four other teams. That so is fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, so, it was, uh, of course, the owners passed it unanimously. So that should tell you about kind of the feel of it. The owners were all for it. The players were like, all right, we got some of the things that we wanted, but more, there's more out there. There's more out there to be gotten until we're satisfied. Um, lots of questions came up because the owners were united, but the players were not. But um, Tony Clark, who um, leads the players union said, um, and I quote, you call it player division. I call it healthy dialogue and conversation. And that's true. The players were really involved <laughs> okay. and they were really united. Yeah. They were they were really united. Like they stood firm on deadline after deadline. It's like, oh, if you don't get a, a you know, a, an agreement by now, this will get canceled and that get canceled. And and the players stood firm all the way until a Thursday deal when they said the owner said, okay, if we can get this agreement made by Thursday afternoon, we can get a 162 game season. And I think that was the clincher because with a shortened season, yeah. But then they'd have to bargain how much of the salary the players get. And there's a lot more, it, it would have yeah. led to more things that were more complicated. So it's still good for the players. It's not a woohoo win, but movement was made in the right direction. So, yes, 162 games can get in. Spring training opened today. You know, it's like open, like, you voluntarily this past Friday, today's the mandatory day for reports. Um, spring training games are going to start this week on St. Patrick's day. Um, opening day is scheduled for April 7th. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So the season is going to be all of those games. So how the way they're going to work that to try to, they're not changing the dates, of the world series. So they have to compress things in the middle. So they're going to hmm. add one round, like one, three game series at the end. Because they, they, we lost a few of the the series at the beginning of the season right, you know, that the week right. they were missing. Um, so they're going to add one of those at the end, and then they're going to make up the other games via double headers and like filling things in in between. It's huh. kind of like when you it's kind of like the snow day situation. 
when you have to, you know, you, like, you yeah. lose your teacher planning days and stuff, that's, they're, they're, they're going to lose their planning days. So that that's going to get yeah, compressed. That, I can there. relate. Yep, for sure. Okay, so here's, here's the things that changed. The competitive balance tax threshold. This is the amount that owners can spend on salary before they're penalized for it. The players wanted that gone or super high because they don't want to, they didn't want to put any limits on what owners can spend because that limits what players can earn, right? That talent, that, mm. that threshold was increased $20 million, which is way more of an increase than they've ever gotten before. So it's not gone. Okay. It, al- it allows for a lot more spending per team. So that's good. The minimum salary went up 23% to $700,000. That's good. That's good. The bonus pool that we talked about, remember one of the goals for the players was we need to reward the younger players because we're leaning on them the most and we're paying them the least. So how do we fix that? And then we talked about this bonus pool that the, that the players wanted. So they came to an agreement at $50 million. Remember the players wanted like $120 million and the, the league said eh, $10 million. So, okay. They've agreed on $50 million and I'm going to tell you how it's distributed. It's distributed kind of half and half. Half of it is based on awards. Okay. So keep in mind, what they didn't get was any changes to who's eligible to, for arbitration to like to argue okay. for the for a higher salary and it didn't shorten the time to free agency those were two of the things that the players really wanted and the the owners said hard no so this is one of those intermediate things that that's a way to get some money to the younger guys okay so okay. here's how but service time just to clarify that's service time right so that's not changing at all so it's there's some service time manipulation things around the edges yeah. that have changed, but yes, service time is okay. what qualifies you for arbitration or or free agency. But they haven't, they didn't really do a lot to eliminate um, messing with service time, except for um, limiting the amount of times you can sent, you can get sent back down. Okay. All right. Oh, so, good. Okay. Yeah. So half of the fifty million dollars is going to be distributed like this. It's a little bit of a list, but I think it's an interesting list. So if, and again, so they may not spend all of this because it depends on who wins these awards. If these guys who are not yet arbitration eligible win an MVP or a Cy Young, they get two and a half million dollars out of this bonus pool. If they are runners up for either of those, they get one point seven five million. Um, if they're third place, they get one point five million. So, um, and then fourth and fifth place get a million dollars. So these guys huh. who, who are doing you know, amazing, out of the gate, they're fantastic right. in the first two years, then they get rewarded for that instead of saying, yeah, I just won, you know, most valuable player and I'm making, you know, less than anybody Still. else on my team. Right. Yeah. Okay. If you get rookie, rookie of the year, it's another $750,000. If you are runners up, it's $500,000. And then, you know, that whole first team, second team thing they do at the end of the season, it's a million dollars to, to all the, to each of the first teamers, and or $500,000 to all the second teamers. So there are ways to get rewarded for doing very well at a young age. And then whatever money is left over, remember, it's not going to be half necessarily because this, you know, if it, it, it's, it's, you know, if the MVP winner is pre-arbitration, they'll get that money. But if they're not, then that money stays in the pool. So whatever's left over after these awards are awards are, are given out, they divide that up among the top 100 pre-arbitration players um, based on war. There'll be some war formula they're still working on. So the top 100 That's players- That's a hard one. Right, for sure. Yeah. Um, will will get 
you know, a piece of this. So it will increase their salary for a lot of guys. We'll get a much higher salary. Um, but note, but note, please, each team only has to pony up $1.67 million for this pool, which these teams are making bazillions of dollars. So it's still, it's a bigger pie than it was before, but it's not a real, not a lot bigger. The pie is not as big as it could be based on what the owners are raking in. Mm. All right. So the only anti-tanking thing that came up, the only issue that was agreed to was that the, um, the amateur draft will be a lottery for the teams that don't make the playoffs. So like the same team every year can't be, if they're in last place, they can't always get the first draft pick. Like for years in a row, like the Astros got like four years in a row, for instance. Right. So this will mix that up a little bit. There's okay. it's kind of a, a little bit of a complicated um, algorithm there. But when the draft comes up, we'll talk about that a little more. The other thing I'm glad we have more time to talk about later is the international draft, because mm-hmm. I want to dig into this more and figure out yeah. what are the pros and cons about this. They have punted this. This was a real sticking point. The players did not want a draft. The te- the owners very much wanted a draft. Um, the players said there's other ways to solve the problems that are caused by what you all are doing. So uh, the, the draft would impose more limitations on how much these guys could make. Right. So they're going to talk about that more. They've punted that to July 24th and any changes and any implementation of a draft wouldn't happen until 2024. So there's time to figure that out. There's time for me to understand it better. So in July, I can hopefully explain it to both of us a little bit better and your listeners, because it's, yeah, there's a lot of thorny, thorny issues. Okay. There's rule changes. Um, I, cheer you know i i want to like raise a glass and pour one out for the for the dh because i will miss it i you know i i will miss the pitchers pitching pitchers catching well still i agree pitching. with you too i was really? i was yeah no i mean i i really liked the difference between the two leagues i think that's yeah. it i like the yeah. difference between the two leagues and this the little you know twist when there was interleague play and some of the pitchers hitting and some of them not. But this like DH market is really um, crazy now. Like, yeah, for sure. There's going to be some big signings that have pro- might have happened by the time you all hear this. But holy yes. cow. Holy cow, for sure. Hey, um, so no more ghost runners. So if uh, if we go <laughs> if we go into extra innings, uh, no more ghost runner on second. I, you know, I know I'm in a minority, but I kind of liked that. I thought it added kind of an interesting wrinkle to the game. Um, so now, you know, we just mm. play forever until somebody wins, which yeah. is what we're all used to. So that's fine. That's fine. Right. We're back to nine inning double headers. I'm very happy Thank about God. that. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's a big deal. So here's an interesting one. So the playoffs, the remember the owners wanted to expand the playoffs to 14 teams. The players right. didn't want to expand them at all, but said if we have to go more than 10, let's just go 12. They came, they came to an agreement at 12 and in general, here's how it's going to work. So in each conference, you know, there'll be the three division winners, Mm -hmm. but there'll be an extra wild card in each league. So there'll be three wild cards. That's where the extra teams come in. And so somebody at ESPN worked out that, that having this wild card round instead of a one game playoff will bring another $85 million to major league baseball from, you know, Mm. from ESPN basically for broadcasting these games. So, um, yeah, that money, however, is not going into a bonus pool or to work to to minimum salaries or any of those things. So there you go, but here's how that's going to work. So the top two, so and each league has the the three division champions, right? The, the, The top two of those on each side, get a buy, which gives you, four teams that are in play for a first round, okay. right? That's the third 
the you know the, the third ranking and, championship uh-huh. and the two wild card teams, um, the three wild card teams. The, Woo, I've already messed right. it up. And so they play each other in a best of three, right? So they pair up, you know, the 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 remaining division champion and the lowest wild card play right. each other, and then the two right. middle wild cards, you know, pl- the two okay. wild cards play each other. That's the best of three. Then they go to a best of five when the the top two are back in, right? And so they mm-hmm. they play. So those two play the winners of the other two, and then you go on to the best of seven. Um, a league championship, and then of course the World Series. Okay. So you've got your three round wild card round. You've the best of three wild card round. You've got your best of five division championship. You've got your best of seven league championship, and your your World Series. So there you go. I'll um, adapt. I'll adapt to that. Adapt. I'm I not mean, gonna make a stink. It's all right. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, it's you know, uh, it's all it's fun to watch. It's always fun to watch. Yeah. You know, more okay. right. So that's yeah, yeah. It's a it's a whole. Thing. I just I wish that the outcome of it would benefit the players more than it does. That's a that's a really important point yeah. because if we're going to go through this, they should definitely get some benefit out of it. So there's a there's a change to how rules can be changed, and that is <laughs> instead of the league saying we're going to make a change, we're going to decide what it is, and next year it's going to happen. They've shortened it to 45 days notice, but a, a committee that's made up of owners, players, and an umpire have to approve the rule change. So there's some players say in the matter, some players say in the matter, but then That's they good. implement it in 45 days, which, you know, is not enough mm-hmm. for some things like, you know, screwing with how pitchers can pitch and all of that. But for 2023, that may mean bigger bases that you may have seen. Uh, I'm okay with bigger bases. I think that makes sense. Um, pitch clocks, uh, uh, banning or limiting shifts, those things are all in play and we'll, we'll probably see those next season. So what's the argument for bigger bases? So uh, fewer collisions, there's more base to work with. Okay. Um, probably uh, makes stealing bases more interesting. No one's going to break legs. And also when you're, when you're like running over a base, there's a bigger chance that you can hang on to that base because there's more base. All right. I'm okay turn, with that. Turn like, up the base. So I know in softball and probably in like some little, I don't know if Little League Baseball does this, they have a double base on first where half of it is in foul territory. So the runner aims for that so that there it reduces the collisions and all that. And it's like, oh. okay. Yeah. So all right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. So there's a lot more detail to a lot of these things. We'll link to some good um, summaries of all of that, but that's sort of the overview of it. It's, it is more player friendly than maybe a lot of people would have expected. It's not everything the players wanted, but it does address at least address in baby step ways, most mm-hmm. of the things that the players were hoping to address, not necessarily in the ways they wanted to, but it's not a, you know, owner's take all, you know, huge win. They, I, I'm really impressed with how the union worked and how these players really did. Like we talked week after week about how the players had their talking points, yeah. how they held the line, how they, they looked unified. So I'm, I'm very, very happy with that. I always want more. Yeah. So I have have two immediate reactions. One is the 99 day, which I had no idea that was that number. We could have played a rousing round of 99 bottles of beer on the wall. We still can. All right. We still can. (laughs) We still could. I don't have that much beer in my house, but I'm willing to make the effort. If if we did it over 99 days, we could, we could Mm. handle that. So lost opportunity there maybe, but now we're prepared. But the other thing is just the, um, 
how do you recover from the animosity of the whole thing? And I know there's been stuff out there about Manfred realizing that he really needs to change his, uh, his, how people perceive him, right? His relationship with players. He's realizing that he's got to tuck his tail between his legs and uh, try to make people maybe like him because of, you know, all the shit that, that went down. But how do you recover from those kinds of like, just, wounds of, of hurting Rob the other side. Manfred does not recover from this. Yeah. No one will ever like no, nobody on the player end of things will ever like Rob Manfred. He did call the players union on Thursday and congratulate them for, you know, the hard work and getting huh. the deal done. Um, he did note that social media does in fact change how negotiations happen. So I, he's clearly aware of how he looks to the world right now. Um, I don't think he recovers. I don't know how long he is for, for this particular baseball world, but he's, he's, he's not going to win players back. He's not going to win. The fans yeah. who are already upset with him aren't coming back. I'm not coming back to him. Oh um, God. Right. Yeah. So he, has, he hasn't recovered, but I, I think we have, there's a wedge has been opened in this discussion where people again, don't see millionaires versus billionaires to quite the extent that they did before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think it starts, it, there's been an opportunity to talk to directly to the public to plead a case and yeah. to, to, to prove a point. And I think some of the public is receptive to that. So it, it's an interesting, it's, 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 a small gain, but I think it does. In fact, so the, this agreement lasts for five years. Um, I think it is sort of huh. paving the way. You know, it, I think the next time is going to be stronger again because there were successes. There were player successes yep. this time. I think there will be more successes next time. It'll be interesting to see what happens in five years. Right. Well, so in five minutes after the, you know, the agreement right. was made all of a sudden, boom, the, the, you know, the pilot light was lit under, on the gas stove again and under the hot stove and everything started happening. So there's yeah. too many trades, but you've got a couple to talk about. I don't even want to go there because right. they're happening so fast and furious. And anything I say is going to be different on Tuesday when you hear this anyway. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like there's all sorts of stuff happening, but you guys know way more than us, but there's nothing like the first, right? <laughs> so the you always first, remember your first. You always remember your first. I'll be trade or whatever. And there goes this lovely spreadsheet that I had of all of our, you know, choices from this year and past years. And of course, the first trade is the first trade that totally fucks up my fantasy baseball boyfriend oh, situation geez. because I had picked, and I'll explain this more for you new listeners. I had picked um, Mitch Garver from the Twins, a catcher. And he has now been traded to the Rangers. So now I have to reevaluate my Rangers pick and figure out what I'm going to do. And interestingly, he was part of the trade was Isaiah Keener Falefa, who was my Rangers pick last year, who is now going to the Twins. And I'm going to learn a lot about the Twins because with this really um, shortened spring break schedule, the Red Sox are playing the Twins like literally half the time for spring spring break, <laughs> spring training, spring training. So I will learn about the Twins and and check out Isaiah in his new digs. But I'm I'm a little bit uh I'm a little bit sad about that. The interesting thing though ab- about Kino, Isaiah Kina Falefa is is that he's shortstop. And there was an article that I saw that said he has the ability to play catcher. And dear listeners, if you had been paying attention last year when I picked him. <laughs> 
you will remember that he came up as a catcher because sometimes that's the way to break in. So I don't know. Maybe they'll be able to use him again. He hadn't been playing catcher for the Rangers. That's for it, sure. If only he would have been your boyfriend this year for the Rangers, that would have been a perfect thing. Because then true, it, it would have been a one for one. So yeah, right. now you got to figure things out. Yikes. <sighs> right. And the other thing that I have to figure out and all right, I'm just going to like hang my head low and you can say I told you so as many times as you want, but I really should listen to you. I have to dump a guy. I have to dump Rafael Ortega from the Cubs and it's breaking my little heart. And this is the guy that I was kind of iffy about because I like I was I was intrigued by his actual like religious postings because he was posting a lot about um what seemed to be Jewish holidays. And it turned out that he's following this kind of Jews for Jesus-y kind of guy. But the problem was, and you you said that this was definitely a, a good reason to not pick him to begin with, was that this pastor that he followed had previously been actually in jail for embezzling money from little old ladies who were signing up for his church. So I was sort of taking it the benefit of the doubt. And there were so many other cool things about Rafael Ortega that I really enjoyed. But I've been following his social media and he's posting a lot. And fuck him. He put he had a transphobic story post and it just broke my little heart. And I didn't screenshot it. It was an Instagram story. So it's gone. So you're all going to have to take my word for it. But I just feel so pissed. I don't even know if I should like rehash what it is. So trigger warning, I guess I should give in advance. Um that he wished a happy women, happy International Women's Day. And of all fucking days, it was on International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to all women with vaginas. And then there was like this asterisk, like we have to specify that nowadays. And my, I, I just, fuck. I know, I know. And it wasn't his, it was, a, it was like a repost, but you know, fuck it. I mean, to repost something like that, there's so many levels of why that is so, so, horrible just horrible i mean it's not he he's a happily married man and he always posts about that so it is zero he has zero reason to give a shit what is down any woman's pants he did any woman at all he does and also just the whole basis of international women's day is all women damn it it's a woman is a woman so fuck him on that and i'm breaking up and that's it god damn it i want to be smug but i'm but i'm too pissed to be smug I'm I was bullshit. I was like on the verge of like tears. I was just like, you asshole. I gave you like the benefit of the doubt that you were actually a, a decent guy because and you know, had been hoodwinked by this pastor or whatever. But now I know. Just always listen to Patty's advice. You know, yes, yes, but also I'm I'm also angry. I mean, yeah, I wish I could just be smug like Neener Neener because he did a stupid thing, but he did a horrible thing. So now he did I'm, a horrible thing. I'm angry. Yeah. I'm angry. Okay. I'm really yep. sorry to hear that. All so, right. So we while we're while we're pissed that? off, while we're pissed <laughs> off, I should have like said police blotter before this, but just police roll blotter. on, roll on in. Back to Trevor Bauer. So he's now getting another week paid vacation. So he's getting uh, his MLB suspension from last year has been extended for a week of spring training, agreed on by both the Players Association and MLB. Now. All the folks who are coming to his defense on social media talk about like pissing me off even more are like, oh, he's innocent. He was found not guilty. He was not found not guilty. He was not found innocent. Charges were not pressed, period. That There was no court where evidence was um, presented and he was not found not guilty. So fuck that. 
also he is doing his best PR stunt, which is what he was good at to, to begin with, to um to you know pump up his case. And he did a video with his whatever momentum stuff. And once again, folks, I watched it on YouTube, so you don't have to. <laughs> In capital letters, the video is called Trevor Bauer and Dodgers Teammates Get Ready for the 2022 Season. So already he's like twisting this, like this is me and my equal teammate buddies hanging out together at the training facility getting ready for 2022. So what he did is he went to the training facility and he basically just started like chatting with whoever went by. Went by. So Blake Trinan and um, and Gratterall, Bruzdar, right? Like at a distance sort of said hi to him. And then like in his wrap up halfway through the video, he's like, I was here with my friend Trinan and my friend Gratterall. And it's no, they they weren't they weren't looking happy to see him. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this the um, the training facility that the union set up in Arizona yes. so that yes. players could work out at state of the art spring training like facilities before the lockout was lifted? So it wasn't the official spring training place. It was sort of like a voluntary you can come and work Absolutely. out with your with your union bros here. Right. Yep. So they could not keep him out. Right. Right. And that makes sense because he was going around the facility talking about how lovely it was and how big it was. There was one guy, I forget who, somebody gave him a hug, but it was nobody was hanging with him. And it oh, was no. just really shitty the way that he titled the video and the way that clearly he's trying to spin it that he's, you know, one of the guys and is just coming back. So. I don't know. Um, the Dodgers signed uh, Clayton Kershaw for one year. I'm wondering if that's related. And I really hope, you know, the, Dave Roberts, of course, you know, endlessly pisses me off by not making any sort of, you know, having any sort of spine with a statement and said that he is leaving the doors open while MLB continues its yeah, investigation. Dave Roberts is no Dave Martinez. That's for sure. No, he is not. He is not. Um, yeah. So the reason that happened right now is because the lockout is over. So now MLB mm -hmm. can take official action and the official action that they can take is to, you know, continue this administrative leave basically while they continue with whatever investigation they're going to do. I don't, I just don't see Bauer playing for anybody. I just don't, I don't know how, but mm. I just don't even know how those guys could like even look at him because you know what, what, you know, for, for anybody who's been, missing this news go back to our past episodes but you know he literally admitted to abusing a woman a couple yeah. of women yeah it's it, i mean he did it all his only defense is that it was consensual it's disgusting it's ugh. it's disgusting um yep. yeah so yeah i speechless all right so we're going to go on to good guys. So I, I alluded to this before that I was going to explain it. And here we go. These are our baseball boyfriends, the guys that Patty and I have been picking throughout the off season, which is like, it's really cool to actually say the off season is coming to an end. Yes. This is literally our yes. last week. And I was super nervous last week that we would be finishing picking baseball boyfriends and they'll be like, well, now the, what the fuck do we do? Like, if they're not actually playing, what are we going to do? But it's just it we all made it through happens. 2020. We can make it through this. <laughs> it's true. That's true. We are on our last week of picking position players. Um, so it's the the two teams with the absolute best record in baseball last year. Neither one won the World Series. Um, we have the Rays. Were they in the World Series? The, with no. The oh wow, that's right. <laughs> Hold out. All right, I'm gonna drink. You should drink hmm. because that's that's the right thing to do. That is crazy. That is definitely is crazy. crazy. 
Well, we have the Rays and we have the Giants, and especially the Giants, it makes me super sad. But I have a theme this week that sort of came up, which is young guys that make me think about the concept of premature picking, which I'll talk about in a minute. They are in incredible sports families. Both of them have two brothers who play pro sports, and I get to say Red Sox for each one, so that makes me very happy. So for the Rays, to nobody's surprise, I swore last year that I was about to pick them and I didn't. So I am going to pat myself on the back for not prematurely picking. Wander Samuel Franco Ibar, shortstop, 21 years old. And just, I know that I've said this before, but for most of our Latino players have two last names. So the one that comes first is the is the last last name, like the last name that's going to go on your documents and stuff like that. And the one that comes last is actually the mother's last name. So this will be very important in a moment. Father's last name, Franco. Mother's last name, Ibar. That might ring a bell. Last year, I was so close to picking him, but... Not only had he not come up yet, but at that point, he hadn't been above double A. And, you know, we were coming out of 2020, which was a fucked up year. And so I think I actually made a good decision. Although last year, when he did come up, I was like, oh, oh, I should have picked him. But I think he'll be even better this year. So he debuted last year in June. So that's not too, too late. June 22nd, 2021. And here's one of those signs that I look for with my baseball boyfriends. Was it meant to be? And yes, it was because he debuted against the Red Sox and I remember watching this game so much because I was so excited to see him but I was like please don't win this game and it was an intense game and he did so well it was a, a, Eduardo Rodriguez was pitching he walked the first one and then his second at bat was a game tying three run home run and when he crossed the plate dad was in the audience and pointed to dad and at that point I thought wait you're dead not, not, not my dad, but he, that would have been really nice. That would have been awesome. Know, but no, no, no. Wander's dad, who is also named Wander, and I'll get there in a moment too. So at that point, I'm not feeling quite as good about his debut, and he got a double. He also made some sexy defense. He was playing third, right? So he had a tag out and throw out to first. So he got two outs pretty much, you know, it, by by his efforts. Um, but the happy news is that the Red Sox pulled it off in a crazy 11th inning and they won nine to five. So happy, happy ending for me as a Red Sox fan. Yeah, you looked confused, but that's all right. That's, you know, of course I have to spin it this way. Before he <laughs> debuted, he was in AAA for the first time with the Durham Bulls. And how cool is that? And he raked with the Durham Bulls, which is, you know, one of the many reasons why they pulled him right up. He was at 315 average with seven home runs, 35 runs batted in in 39 games. Crazy stuff. I didn't realize that he wore number five to honor Pujols and oh. Albert Pujols, which is another former baseball boyfriend of mine. And Interesting fact, Pujols debuted one month and one day after Wander Franco was born. Also, interestingly, Wander Franco was born in 2001 in March, I believe. I think it's March 1st. So that is after your child was born and before my, like in between our children's births was Wander Franco, which is just Holy crap. mind exploding, right? Oh my God. So he ended up playing. I'm about supporting me in the way I want to be, you know, supported in my old <laughs> right? age. I don't think we're talking Wander Franco dollars. Can you imagine? 
Welp. So this guy Welp. only ended up playing 70 <laughs> games last year. But despite that, and I was thinking of this when you were talking about like the bonus stuff with the young players, like of all people, here's an, a great example. He was third in Rookie of the Year, despite playing 70 games. There was a crazy time, and I remember this in the toward the end of the season, where he reached base in 43 consecutive games. And the interesting thing is when he was in the 30s, he had a an injury, so he went on the IL. He came back and picked back up. So he, you know, pulled it together, and he had tied Frank Robinson's record for oh, under twenty one consecutive games reaching the base. Yeah, my heart. So the other really fascinating thing about him, especially when we're talking about how young players are treated is that he had this record-setting deal in the offseason. And this is another reason why I feel like maybe it's good that I waited to pick him because he is now locked in with the Rays, which is something that we always love to see. So in November, before the whole lockout thing, he signed a huge deal. Actually, it was 12 years, including the option for 2033 for the club. <laughs> $182 million could go up um, if, he, if they take the option. And this means that he makes money now as opposed to getting the league minimum. So I think when he negotiated that, that was a big deal. You know, it's interesting to see uh, the effects of this spark, but still, it, it, it still would have been the right deal for him to do. Can I break in for one second? Yeah. Um, so along those lines, one of the reasons that the players union wanted to get more money to the highly successful younger guys sooner mm -hmm. was so, you know, a lot of these guys, this is a great deal, but a lot of these guys sign for less, like we look at right. the deal and we think, oh, it's a lot of money for them right this second, but they could have gotten a lot more later. Getting more money sooner will help them make better decisions about yep. that. Okay, this is some real money. I, I got an extra $500,000. I got an extra freaking million dollars. I can put oh off God. signing right. for an extension for a little while because this is life-changing money already. Yeah. So I don't have to sign things away right away. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this too, of course, is the Rays don't do stuff like this. Like sure, the Rays don't, 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 don't put, they don't invest that much money and they don't put those multi-year contracts. The last um, biggest contract beforehand in Rays history was actually Evan Longoria, which was a six-year hundred million contract. Almost my pick for the Giants, mind you. I had actually picked him before we consulted our, our West, West Coast correspondent. And then I found out that he had an AK-47 that had been stolen. And so just like the combination of having an AK-47, and that's not something and that I would keeping, like. And then, lock and key. <laughs> right, then the fact that that gun was stolen, I thought, all right, I, I got to learn to keep my standards high. So I appreciate, you know, you'll find out who we get for the Giants in, in a minute. Um, and interestingly also, like as far as not having played a full season before signing this contract, the other guy who was the, a high contract who had done that was Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr., who hadn't played a full season and went before he signed the eight-year, $100 million contract with Atlanta. So this is where we get into this international trade stuff, which is I want to find out a lot more about this because we're well, not trade, international signings. Yeah. Um, draft international draft that's the right word because he signed at age 16 yeah right yeah so this is where i always wonder like is is this good bad and where does this come from i think we this is definitely some homework for both of us so in 2017 he signed with the rays at age 16 as an international free agent but for a 16-year-old, he was pretty amazing. He spent three years in the minors, and then there was no 2020, and he skipped AA completely and started in AAA in 21. 
The other thing that makes him perfect for being a baseball boyfriend for me is, you know, being from the Dominican Republic, he did play in lead on in the Dominican league. And in 2020, he was traded to my lifelong fandom for Leonis del Escogido. And I remember him playing that year because in December he had a little injury. It wasn't anything huge, but the Rays were like, ah, that's enough. Let's bring him back. Like he was not allowed to play the rest of the season. I don't know why he didn't play this past season, but Rodney Linares is a coach of the Rays and also manager of Leonardo Escogido. And he said that in the future, he will be back there. He will be able to play probably not a full season because they're going to be protecting him. But I think he'll go in and just make it, you know, make it some fun, bring some attention to lead on in the winter. So here comes the sports family thing and the family of Wanders. I wonder why. I don't know. So father is Wander. Father was a pitcher, a lefty. And he actually signed with the White Sox, which I had no clue, in 1991 for $3 million. I don't know where that career went. He has two older brothers who have both signed, um, but I, I believe are still in the minor system. And they're both also Wander. There's Wander Javier, who signed with the Royals six years ago, and Wander Alexander, who signed with Houston three years ago. So this Wander, the Wander that we're, that we're wondering about, is Wander <laughs> Samuel, who is my Wander. His grandfather even played amateur baseball in the Dominican Republic, and he also has stuff on his mom's side. So his mom, and going back to the Ibar thing, is Nancy Ulisa Ibar's sister to Eric and Willie Ibar, who were both major league players. Eric Ibar was at the Angels, Atlanta Tigers, and Padres. Willie Ibar with the Dodgers, Atlanta, and the Rays. Wow. In this past offseason, there was some really good footage of Wander, this Wander, Wander Samuel Franco, um, playing in like a old sort of dilapidated field in the DR. And the press caught it and asked him, like, why are you training here? You know, basically, you signed this huge deal. This is where you're training. And he said, yep, here's where I am. Nobody can take me out of here. This is where I started. And this is where I'm going to end. So, wow. Oh, wow. So I love Wander Franco. I'm very excited about this. So my question is, do his the, the brothers Wander all go by Wander or do they um... – incorporate I, their middle name somehow to like separate the max boy would that get confusing I can, if really, it's not already can you imagine like christmas no. dinner hey wander wander <laughs> like, no i'm know. more worried about like you know keeping track of statistics and who's on what team and you know talking about who's right. on first i mean which wanders on first <laughs> for god's sake okay so here's so my guys yeah things my guys have in common is they're um they're old they're very old <laughs> they're 30 and up for god's sakes mm. and they also have been around the block a bazillion times. They have been through so many teams in a short period of time, and they each have one tiny little quirky little connection to me and my life. Okay. All right. For the Rays, G-Man Choi. He's um, listed as a first baseman. He's also played um, DH in the outfield. He's 30. We share a birthday. Now, our birthdays are decades apart, <laughs> but but in fact, <laughs> they're both May 19th. So there you go. He is South Korean. Um, he played on the Korean national teams, um, 12 and under and 18 and under teams. His hometown, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, Incheon, named him a citizen of the year for 2020. Um, 
he donated 20,000 masks to the community. This past December, he donated $20,000 of fitness equipment to the community's athletic association. He works with youth baseball in that community. He donated heating fuel to families in that. So he does, he's really, I I could see why he is their citizen of the year because his, um, he, that's not all of his philanthropic work, but it's a great deal of it. You know, he's not, he was there like during the pandemic when, you know, everything was shut down here and they weren't playing baseball, but you know, he lives here now, but he's focusing so much on taking care of where he came from. He was signed as an international free agent by the Mariners in July of 2009 while he was in high school, similar to what you were talking about. He came here while he was basically still a high school student. Mm -hmm. This was unusual for a Korean baseball player. So it's much more common for Latin American baseball players to sign at 16 or whatever. In Korea, the baseball community is very tight, very specific, and they have a path. There is a designated, you know, path to go to end up in the KBO, right? Into the Korean Baseball League. And then players can, will maybe will look at playing for MLB after they've been in the KBO for a while. He didn't. He skipped that. He got signed, came right over in 2009. So he was, you know, Mariners bouncing around in minor league baseball. He, the O's signed him for a minor league contract in November of 2015, November of 2015, but moments later, you know, the, the rule five draft happens in the beginning of December moments later, the angels pulled him out of there rule five draft. And huh. he made the, remember when you get selected with the rule five draft, you have to be on the 40, the 26 man roster. So he was on the opening day roster for the angels. That was his debut in 2016. His first home run was in July of 2016. And you know, I don't know if all teams, but some teams have that thing where everybody in the dugout gives you the silent treatment when you have your first major league home run. Mm -hmm. He walked through everybody who was giving him the silent treatment and he did imaginary high fives to invisible people. It's hilarious. I remember that. That's a great video. I love this guy so much. He's hilarious. And he's got like this really open, warm, embracing. I mean, one of the things that we've always said about what makes a good baseball boyfriend is somebody who you can tell loves playing this game. Yep. He's that guy. He loves playing that game. So unfortunately he had a lot of bad years. He went up and down a bazillion times. He had injuries. He had slumps. He was DFA'd multiple times and picked back up. So back and forth, back and forth. So in um, the Yankees had him for, you know, 2017, the Brewers signed him in 2018. His first career grand slam is June 9th of 2018. And the Brewers then traded him to the Rays the very next day. Wow. Isn't that hilarious? That's crazy. But so he started like the Rays are like the place because he Hmm. started really finding his groove. He was really kicking in 2019, really kicking in, starting to find his place. And he was playing steadily. He wasn't being injured and going up and down and up and down. He had a place and regular playtime. And for the hell of it, he tried switch hitting. In July 2020, <laughs> he said, for the hell of it, I'm trying switch hitting. His second at bat, batting from the other side, he hit a home run. Because he's good. He's good wow. at baseball. And he's hilarious. When he played for the Rays in the 2020 World Series, game two was his first game. He became the first Korean-born player to play in the World Series. And, and during that game, he singled and be- therefore became the first Korean-born player to ever have a hit in the World Series. So he has a jersey in Cooperstown already, which is not bad. 
he jokes about some people thinking that he's a gymnast rather than a baseball player. Now he is, a, <laughs> he is a very solidly stocky built guy. Yeah. He's like 260 pounds. He doesn't look like he should be able to do the splits. He can do the splits. Somebody posted like they did like this, um, uh, this, this, this like flash cut video of him doing the splits at first base to, you know, to, to like make the out and these balletic leaps and all of that to like nutcracker music <laughs> and he's absolutely graceful and hilarious and had but he also has like dance moves like go out with this guy dance moves there there are videos of him on first base just getting down and getting funky there are, there are videos of him dancing to living on a prayer there are videos of him dancing with blake snell with him dancing with brett phillips because he is having a great time he That's is so cool hilarious and fun and full of joy and he I don't know if he still uses an interpreter. He did for a while, even though his teammates are like, I don't know why he he's fine. He he's fluent. He doesn't need this, but it's one of those, you know, you have kind of like the backup guy, but he jokes that, well, you know, I can't really let loose until I, you know, I don't need the interpreter anymore. They're like, Oh my God, if you're, if you're not letting <laughs> loose now, what the hell? So one of my favorite stories about him was one of the things that he would do in the clubhouse is try to teach Korean phrases to his teammates but he would teach them wrong Korean. Hmm. So he would take them out to a Korean barbecue restaurant and have them try the Korean that he taught them. And he apparently, they were all apparently saying very inappropriate things. Yeah, in, I was wondering Korean. about that. Seems like a potty mouth pick here. Yeah. So he's hilarious and wonderful and also afraid of ghosts. So, um, okay. So G-Man Choi is my pick for the raise this year. And I'm really very excited about that. Sounds like a really good one. I've always yeah. been, yeah, I've always been a G Menchoy fan. He's, For he's sure. super For cool. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going over to the National League with the Giants and super hats off to our West Coast correspondent, Deborah, for giving us some great picks. Mine, I think, was a little bit of an afterthought because I wasn't quite sure. She gave us a couple and I was like, I don't want to step on Patty's toes. These both, they both looked like Patty picks. And then she said, or Elliot Ramos. Maybe you'd like this guy for sure. And he sort of fits into the Wander Franco model in so many ways, 22 years old, and I might be prematurely picking him because he is not made his debut yet. He probably will not be on opening day. I feel a lot like he is in a very similar position as Wander Franco was last year before the season, but I don't know. Something big is going to happen with this guy. So he's from Ma Maunabo. Yeah, I should have practiced that one. Maunabo, Puerto Rico. Um, and the whole... You know, being able to roll your R's really forgives a lot of, <laughs> of pronunciation issues. Makes I up think for that. that's true. Yeah. Maunabo, Maunabo. Maybe something, yeah. All right. So what, what we're talking about with the international draft totally has an effect here from from players from Puerto Rico because things changed in 1989. That's when they decided that Puerto Rico didn't count as an international draft. You know, technically they are part of the United States and they incorporated them with the United States amateur draft. And this had a lot of really rough repercussions for the Puerto Rican um, the Puerto Rican kids who, who wanted to make MLB because they didn't have the same training facilities, the same system as on the mainland, but at the same time, it's part of the United States, so it's not international. So they're sort of like in this weird, you know, middle ground. One thing I've got to call out the Washington Post on, I was reading this Washington Post article about him, 
And they said, I quote, in the pre-1989 world, when Puerto Rican ballplayers were able to enter the major leagues under the same rules as those in other Latin American countries, what? Ramos and his peers would have been eligible to sign with a major league club at the age of 16. So this the is a big post? deal for Ramos. Right. Puerto Rico and other Latin American countries? Seriously, Washington Post? And we know the editing staff there on the sports page. They're going to get I, a letter. I think something's <laughs> a little rough there. Yeah. So the oh. other thing, you know, the big, big difference here is, is at that time, MLB was investing in these baseball academies, right, in, in Dominican Republic and in Venezuela that were focused on getting teenagers baseball playing time, but not Puerto Rico because they couldn't or they were, weren't even scouting as much in Puerto Rico. But thing, things, I think, since that uh, Washington Post article in 2017, things have started to change. And I think mostly at the credit of MLB players from Puerto Rico who are going back and investing. So like Carlos Beltran, there's a Be Carlos Beltran Academy and there are other Puerto Rican players that are putting it back there. So I think that's what's going to bring it up. Interesting there, though, for, for Elliot is that he was in a Puerto Rican high school and he got a full scholarship his senior year to attend a bi private bilingual school that was partnered with a baseball club that had recruited him that he'd been playing in since he was age 12. And the interesting thing about being at this private bilingual school is that not only was he doing baseball, but he focused on academics as well. So yay, baseball boyfriend points, because they were preparing him either to go to college or to be more successful in, in MLB by being able to speak English <laughs> and, you know, things right. like that. So his English is actually fantastic. I've seen him in, in some interviews. When he was young, though, and he was playing with the pot, uh, Los Potros de las Lomas that had recruited him when he was 12, he was in the Puerto Rican championship team at ages 13, 14, and 15. And then at age 14, that team was rated third in the world. And when he was age 15, second. And so, you know, he clearly, if he had been in the same situation as Wander Franco, maybe he would have signed at 16. But, you know, he had to wait all the way until he was a uh, 17 years old. So, <laughs> he he comes from another sports family. His dad, Agapito, played double A ball and softball in Puerto Rico until he was injured. And then he played soccer. So this trickles down to the brothers. His oldest brother, Hector, is a professional soccer player. His middle brother, Henry, was a fifth round prick by, I get to say it again, the Red Sox in 2010. <laughs> About Henry, though, he didn't do that private route. So I'm thinking that this kind of affected him and maybe he just wasn't quite as um, talented as, as Elliot. And I think I'm pronouncing that right because the H should be silent. So he graduated from that, that high school where Elliot was in his first three years before he got that scholarship for his last year. He did not learn English. He did not get any college deals. He spent 11 years in the minors, actually. 11? And 11 years. Yeah, his his debut was this past year with the D-backs, and he only played 18 games. He is now signed with the KT Wiz, and he's going to Korea. All and right. he has really good QHAR. He has lovely hair, great, great dreadlocks. But while he was doing that bouncing around the minors, he ended up in the giant system in 2019, which is where Elliot had signed. And uh, Bruce, and I I should have checked this, Bochi, 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 Bochi. Bochi. Oh, shit. Okay, Bochi. Bruce Bochi realized 
I've got these two players, both on the spring training roster. This is like the one opportunity potentially in their lifetime for them to play in a, in a game together. And so he put them out in the outfield together side by side. So they had that experience and it's, you can see uh, on Elliot's Twitter feed that he does a lot of like, Hey bro, congratulations kind of (laughs) stuff. So he had gotten a full scholarship at Florida International University, Miami. And he said, you know, if I'm not drafted in the first three rounds, I'm going to college. But he was drafted in the first round by the Giants at age 17, 19th overall pick. So year one in Arizona in 2017 at age 18, he batted 348 with six home runs and 27 RBI in 35 games. He didn't play more than that because he was hit on the head in August and was out for protocol. And there's like a lot of him talking about how he felt okay, but they weren't letting him play because it's protocol. And they said, you know, you don't know what's going on inside your head. We've got to be safe. He also played winter ball. So yay for the Roberto Clemente League in Puerto Rico. And he was the first round pick there by the Cangrejeros de Santurce. His brother, Henry also played in the Liga de Baseball Profesional Roberto Clemente with the team Mayagüez, and they played against each other just this past November, and they both homered in the same game. So Elliot was also in the Futures for 18, 19, 21. Last year, he spent half the year in AA, half the year in AAA. He batted 272 in 54 games at AAA, and he also, in 2021, won the Barney Nugent Award, which is voted on by teammates, coaches, and training staff in recognition of the player in his first big league camp, whose performance and dedication in spring training best exemplifies the San Francisco Giants spirit. So yay for spirit. And uh, the last thing, oh shit, I've talked too long. Oh, well, uh, the last thing, his mom, Elliot, interesting name, comes from his mom, she wanted all three brothers to have H names. And he's like, well, she already had Hector and Henry. And here I come. There you go. So, sorry for so much about Elliot, but I was really fascinated by this guy. And I hadn't heard of him before. And I think he's going to be a big fucking deal. So I pay attention to people who want to fix me up on blind dates because the last time <laughs> I was on a blind date, I married him. So nice. So West Coast correspondent fixes me up with Kurt Casale, the catcher for the Giants, saying he's the salt of the earth type that Patty loves. I'm like, okay, that I'm willing works. to, you know, to, to, to take this guy for a spin, see what they, so, you know, as we have said before, we do check social media for our players, potential boyfriends to make sure there's nothing, you know, no red flags or anything. And his profile says, San Francisco Giants, golf, NHL, and Dunkin' Donuts. I am three for four, which is the, which is the <laughs> outlier there, which is the outlier golf golf for sure um stories i've read reference him trader joe's coffee in the morning in a yeti check that's me too daily crossword <laughs> puzzle check that's me too although his are usa today which is a little wimpy but he's got other things uh, to do so i don't know yeah. anyway so kurt uh, was born in walnut creek um in california but grew up in connecticut where he was the uh, quarterback of his high school football team wow. which he took to the championship he was all state he also played basketball and of course baseball he went to vanderbilt so he's one of the vandy boys and those people are everywhere they're everywhere they're so, so good 
Sonny Gray, Mike Yastrzemski, David Price. Some people there that Potty Mouth likes a whole bunch are yep. bandy boys that, um, that that Kurt has played with over the years and, and you know was teammates with back at Vanderbilt. Um, he played for all four years. He actually has his degree, which is unusual. Usually when you're drafted, um, it's in your junior year. He had Tommy John in college, which I think affected that. But he played all four years, got a degree from Vanderbilt. So he's, you know, also um, like done with that as opposed to, oh, maybe one day I'll go back to that. He was drafted in the 10th round in 2011 by the Tigers. Here we go. Here is a long list of quick trips to various teams. You thought, <laughs> you thought the G-Man Choi had a lot. Just get a load of this, okay? He was traded to the Rays in 2013. He made his debut in July, um, July 18th in, t- in 2014 for the Rays. The following year, wait a minute, am I wrong? Yeah, in 2015. Oh, yeah, because in 2015, he hit two home runs versus the Tigers on July 28th for the Rays versus the Tigers. The next day, July 29th, he hit two home runs for the Rays versus the Tigers two days in a row. The second time it was against his this Vanderbilt pal, David Price. So that <laughs> oh. was kind of fun. That was kind of fun. Um, in November 2017, he signed a minor league contract in November with the Angels. He was released in January. There were no games played between them, right? So he was signed by the Rangers in January, two days later, and released March 21st again. So that's two teams that he was part of and didn't play any games for in rapid succession. And then he was signed again by the Rays. The Rays had him back in twenty in 2018, the same day. But then he was... Um, traded to the reds wow <laughs> so he moved very quickly in a very short period of time Get that suitcase suitcase packed for sure but okay here's how we know he's totally my guy in december 2020 <laughs> what kind of surgery did he have hamate surgery and what does that give you potty mouth it gives you superpowers and it that's does. that bone in your hand or hand wrist right yeah right. It's, it's it's in the base of your hand and a lot of players end up with hamates. It's not an uncommon surgery. It removes a bone from your hand that actually gets broken or irritated because of holding the bat, like that, like the knob of the bat messes with your hamate bone. But hmm. over and over again, we have found guys oh. who've had hamate surgery and then it's really like you cause them to just like light it up from then on. Okay. So this was December, 20, 2020 in January, 2021, he signed a one-year contract with the giants to back up Buster Posey. They, you know, based, it was based on, okay, you know, we know you just had the surgery, so we're making sure you pass this physical and he did and all of that. So he starts in April, 2021. Get this. This is some superpower shit right here. Okay. He <laughs> caught shutouts in five consecutive starts from five different starting pitchers in one five. month. Whoa. Yeah. They weren't consecutive games, but they were games that he caught. Right. That's so, you know, crazy, he was like relieving Posey like every couple of games. Like he would, he would start instead of Buster Posey. Right. So he was the first giant ever to do that. He was the fifth major league player to ever do that. By August, he had caught eight of the Giants' 13 shutouts. Wow. So that's just pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Um, there is a, there's a, like a stat about how often does your team win when you start. He's at 80%. He's like way far and above like anybody else in Major League Baseball right now. And the thing that makes it even more interesting is remember, he plays when Buster Posey was sitting out. So they didn't have like Buster Posey was like the best bat for the Giants last season. And he's the, wow. the team still won 80% of the games that that Kurt started, even though Buster yeah. wasn't playing those games. So the thing that wasn't working for him 
was offense. So remember, so Kurt Casale had this handmade surgery. His hand was messed up. He couldn't find a bat that felt good in his hand, that felt comfortable. So they were joking about, there's like a bin of bats. They're like batting practice bats. The players like discard, like he was like trying all of them. It's like, for us, it would be like going to Value Village and like, you know, going to the thrift store, right? <laughs> trying all the bats. So remember, he is pals with Mike Yastrzemski because right, they're, they're bandy boys together. They're, they're good friends. They have, they lived together in, um, in Arizona during spring training when they played for two different teams, but both of whom, you know, had their facilities in Arizona. So they're, they're really good friends. So, so Yaz says, try this custom bat that I have made at this like boutique store in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which got my attention because I personally lived in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which is a <laughs> weird name for a city, but I lived there during junior freaking high. So wow. he tried it and he said, I hate the handle. Sorry. And Yaz oh. was like, you know, miffed because it was terrible. So he had awful offense in April and May. He was like, this is when he was catching all these, these, you know, shutouts. So he was like amazing as a catcher, but couldn't hit the damn ball and then one game in june he had his first giants home run he had his first triple ever ever he wow. had four rbi he was a double short of the cycle and it's like yeah that was one of yaz's bats but i put this stuff on like he he put this like he they, i think yes called it like a, a, a an ugly squishy wrap on it because it was more comfortable for his his hand that had the surgery on it to hold and so it turned it around like he found like the magic combination of things it's like this bat with this wrap and all of a sudden he's hitting like crazy he's on a tear although yeah said he's tired of seeing my name every time he looks at the barrel of that bat <laughs> <laughs> and and also that he's got to buy a lot more bats now but also he credits Buster Posey, who you remember, you know, retired this past season um, for all the help he gave him. I mean, uh -huh. like he's, he's also a veteran. You know, this guy's been yeah. around. He's, he's, you know, he's 33. He's been around for a long time. But he said, you know, that that Buster Posey just helped him every single day. So that guy doesn't owe anything to anybody. He's done it all. I tell him this a lot, but I'm telling you publicly, the guy, he's made my job a lot easier. And I'm just proud to know him. Aww. And that makes me happy because Buster Posey was my first Giants yeah. boyfriend. And I, I do love me some Buster Posey. So I feel really good about that relationship, too. I also like that he supports women's sports. Um, like through his social media. I mean, grant, they're like Vanderbilt people, but it's still women playing sports women athletes yeah. like there's there were photos of him and mike Yastrzemski at the u.s women's open watching uh you know one of their fellow vanderbilt alums uh, marina alex play you know golf at at this he also remember when sarah fuller you know was the was the oh, vanderbilt yeah. kicker right the soccer star was the vanderbilt kicker he was reposting stuff about that he was really excited about that so I'm, I love that he supports women's sports. And this mm -hmm. one is just really pretty fun. He and seven or eight other uh, pro baseball players created this game, this cup check game that I think we need to get to play in your backyard, which okay. is, is sort of like they, they basically figured out a way to produce this game that was being played sort of at um, on beaches a little bit. Like they kind of like worked out rules and things on a beach, but they've seen it like a, t a tailgating, but it's called cup check and it involves, you have like these poles that you put, you could put, do it with solo cups on there and it's, <laughs> and you throw Frisbees at these, at the sticks that not, that can knock the, the cups out and like the other people have to like catch the cup. But what he said was, and this is where I've truly fell in love with my soulmate here. He says, ideally you have an adult beverage in one hand Excellent. while you're playing this and you try to catch the cup with the other hand. That's, and that works. I can do the, that. 
And so there's like that whole connection that like he gets us. He yeah. gets what we would do for fun for sure. But also a portion of these sales benefit the Cincinnati Testicular Cancer Society. So it's a mm -hmm. super fun game. And, it, you know, it, wow. it does say, you know, it, it works better if you've got something in one hand so you don't try to use it. And he says specifically adult beverages. But it's also a fundraiser for, you know, a cancer research um, organization, which is really pretty damn cool. So he's a lot of fun. He's also really self-deprecating. Self like he doesn't really want to take a lot of credit for himself. He wants, he's like, he, sh he shares it with his teammates. Well, well, the pitchers were great. Well, Buster taught me this. Well, Aww. you know, the fans are great. Like he doesn't, he's not like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. He's like here. It's, it's a team. These, all, all these people are involved. So I, I, you guys are right. You guys are right. When you fix me up on this blind date, cause he's a super duper guy and he is in fact already married. So this is a whole thing, but I think I also want to have a, a drink with his wife because he refers to his wife, Renee as a badass businesswoman. Excellent. Right? How Sign cool is that? With us. So thank you, West Correspondent, for your excellent, excellent um, shopping for boyfriends for us. I think you did great, and I'm happy to have picked to follow through on one of those. Um, next week, pitchers. We're going to pick our pitching squads, and then we're like, good to go, my friends. Wow. Wow. That's a tough one. So what we do with pitchers is we pick a whole team because we just don't have time to profile a whole bunch of pitchers. So we've got to get all our pitchers from one team. So who are we going to pick? I have two ideas right now, and I don't know which way I'm going to go or maybe idea. in a totally different direction. So I don't I have know. one idea. Yeah. So because I, I did a lot of uh, extrapolating, I guess, about baseball boyfriends, I'm going to trim down the international corner this week. Some of this is just not, you know, it's, it's not timely. Stay tuned next week. But I do have to say the CPBL, which I don't know if it's my favorite, one of my favorite internet uh, leagues from another country, the Taiwanese Professional Baseball League, opening day a little bit sooner than ours, April 2nd. And this is going to be a big one. So my Unilions, who I adore, last year lost to the brothers the year before they won over the brothers in the Taiwan series. And the opening day is Lions at Brothers. So I'm going to be Damn. on the edge of my seat on April 2nd. But the heartbreaker here is Lynn Anko, who is my baseball boyfriend from the CPBL forever, had a wrist injury is what it was said, and is either going to be out three months or the whole season, depending on who you talk to. But, you know, three months is pretty damn close to the whole season. But the only thing that gives me hope, running <laughs> on a theme here, is that what did he break? The hamate bone. He is having hamate surgery. So I'm thinking that what's going to happen five weeks. here, he's back right, in five weeks. What's going to happen is he's going to have a super hamate. He's going to come back in time for the playoffs and Fair the enough. Lions are going to win it. You heard it here first, folks. Yep. Damn. Yeah. No, that's going to turn out well. It's not going to be three months. It's going to be half of that and he's going to have superpowers and it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be okay. I'm sorry you don't get him right away, but it's going to end up being okay. It's, oh my God. He has such good Q-Har. His hair has grown out. Oh yeah. He's got to come back soon. <laughs> hey, so our fantasy boyfriend baseball league is back. It's really going to happen Woo! because the season's really going to happen. <laughs> so I have sent notes out to people who have played with us in the past saying, are you re-upping? And then we'll know how many um, openings that we have. So if you are interested in playing on our fantasy league, please get in touch with us and any social media way you can and potty mouth will tell you how to do that sure hang out with us on twitter at ncib podcast facebook and instagram at 
Did I say that right? Yes. Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> I'm at the end of that 10% beer. At No Crying in B-Ball, just a small shout out to our friends Brayden and Susie. We got your request. You guys are in, but everybody else better get on this fast because those spaces are going to disappear like that. This is very exciting. We love doing this. And as I told the folks who have been in it before, very shortly, once we know who the teams are, who the who the, the general managers are, I will get out the ridiculous rules, the ridiculous <laughs> rules so much about how, how so to pick their fun. rosters anytime now. So I'm very excited about that. Hey, so we have this thing called Patreon, which is a way for you to help us support the podcast because there are some expenses involved in, um, in making this go every week. And we would love it if you would consider donating a tiny little bit of money every month to help us cover those costs. So how do people find Patreon? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's patreon.com slash no crying and b-ball. So you folks with those internet skills, you can find us, right? You sure can. You sure can. And you know what I'm excited about coming back today is we can actually once again have a spring training countdown yeah yeah and actually this is opening day so it's weird it's on spring oh God, training yeah countdown. i know well I've it's been on... as well yeah but but actually there's there's a good reason it says spring training countdown.com because that's the name of the website but it's actually an opening day countdown because spring training is going to go by really really fast so as of right this moment 24 days six hours eight minutes and a matter of seconds from the time of recording we're going to be just so happy. Baseball, will, MLB, MLB baseball will be here. Yes, baseball trademark does not belong to MLB, mind you, but MLB <laughs> baseball will be back and I will be happy for that. For sure. Baseball is fun, people. Our fantasy league is fun, people. So you've got, you know, a couple of weeks now between now and opening day to do a couple of things. One is to um, let us know you want to play on our league, but also to Oh my gosh, check out some back episodes. If you are new to our show, um, see what we've been doing before you found us. If you have family or friends who you think would like to hear us talk about baseball, please do tell them about us. Leave us a review or a rating if you have a chance to do that. Um, you've already gotten your booster, so that's okay. So still on your list is Fight the Man. And then until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Okay, shirts so, for a reason. So then I reason. can just have a beer for the fuck of it. Shirts for the a reason, reason beer for the, beer fuck, for the of fuck of it. Okay. <laughs>